We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. Oh man, Andreas Hale. And the world champion. The belt's not in here. Belt's out there. Bianca Belair is in Blue Wire Studios joining us. Thank you so much for taking time out, joining us. I'm going to try to not give like my usual hot takes so I don't have to take a whip from the braid. <laughs> so I'm going to be on my best behavior today. But no, thank you so much. Busy weekend. Money in the bank here in Vegas. So far, I know you've only been here for a couple of days because you're wild schedule. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling being here, being just prominently placed on this card, coming in as a champion, and really being, in my opinion, the featured solo match of the card? Because, <laughs> I mean, that's real. Like, let's be, Roman's not on this. Like, you are, like, the next champion up. How do you feel really being in that position? I'm just excited. I'm excited to be back in in Vegas and be here for Money in the Bank. I don't know if any, a lot of people realize it, but it's my first Money in the Bank. I didn't get to do Money in the Bank last year, so it's my first time being on Money in the Bank, and it's really cool to be like one of the prominent uh, singles matches and, and being one of the prominent title matches, you know, and being a woman. And it's really cool for it now to become the norm where we are like one of the most talked about matches of, of the live um, pay per view. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and show up and show out at Money in the Bank. Mm. Forget wrestling for a second. <laughs> First of all, there's a couple things. One, Bianca, you supported Our Heroes Rock. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. You've done so much that we've appreciated just in general, right? But what I want to talk about is the Black Wrestling Podcast at the top 50 wrestlers, <laughs> Black wrestlers. You ended up being number one, and they asked me to write it. Yeah. And it felt really good to write about you. I don't know if you got a chance to read it. I did. No. I did. I did read it. Okay. Was it all right? <laughs> it was amazing. Listen, I loved it. Like, thank you so much. Uh, just reading it and, and reading all the kind words and reading all of, you know, it's just like validation that what I'm trying to represent and what I'm trying to do, that I'm doing it the right way and it's coming across the right way. And, you know, I just want to inspire people. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's an honor. To, to, to be in that position and to have someone like you write about me and say those words about me. So, I, no, I, I really appreciate it. I really enjoy the article. Okay. 
So what I wanted to ask about this, like, yeah, not only you're like, you're the number one, not women's wrestler, you're the number one black wrestler. And it's not to put black wrestlers up against each other, but mm-hmm. the fact remains you had such an astounding year. I want to rewind a little bit. There was a time when you went in NXT mm-hmm. where you couldn't get over the hump with Shayna Baszler. Yeah. And for a lot of us, we, we all rooted you on. And I've been at the takeovers where it didn't work out. Was there a moment in time where you were like, is this, is, do they believe in me? Like, is it going to work out? Did you ever question yourself? I did. You know, I go out there and I talk about being the EST of WWE. And that's where I started in NXT. And I felt like that was my home. And I felt like there I was constantly trying to prove that I belong there. And that, that I was made to do this. And I was born to do this. So, you know, going after the NXT title, it was so much, I placed so much validation with that title. And it was so many times when I thought, okay, this is my time. This is my time. And it never happened. Right. And it, what was even harder for me is that my parents were at the shows. And it was, they, they were brand new to it as well. And, and I remember just, just seeing videos of my daddy like cheering. And, and then I would lose. And he would just kind of like, I could see it in his face. So I was like, man, I want to I wanna prove and show that, that I'm worthy and that I'm good and that I'm capable of being the face of NXT and, and being the champion. And so it, it 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 was like a little shot to my self-esteem every time. But, you know, now looking back, I see that I was there during the reign, um, during the time of the reign of Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. And she had an amazing title reign. And I feel like I was a part of that title reign. And we we all made that title reign amazing with, with Shayna. So I have to look at it that way. And, you know, but I left NXT still wanting to always be NXT Women's Champion. But then I fast forward, moved on, and and got to win the Royal Rumble and main event WrestleMania, become SmackDown Miss Champion, now Raw Miss Champion. Now looking back, I, I say like, okay, it, now it all makes sense, and everything happens for a reason. It's crazy. Everything happens for a reason. It does. Before we get into the whole wrestling aspect of things, you mentioned your father. Yeah. And he's at these events, but they show in your promo packages. I remember it from NXT, where you're running track, mm-hmm. doing CrossFit. Your dad's in a lot of those videos. All of them. Like watching you. <laughs> yeah. He's always, I'm assuming, supported you. What is that like? Just coming to all of your events, whether it's track, CrossFit, now wrestling. How is it like just that bond between you guys and then him being so supportive? I mean, I've always been a daddy's girl. Like my my family, I always say I have like the goat family. Like I got like the, the, I mean, they're just top tier. I couldn't be any more blessed. My parents have always supported me ever since I was a kid. I can't think, you know, I started playing sports at the age of five. I started doing gymnastics and running track at five. And I can't think of one sporting event where they were not there. Mm-hmm. And whether it was track or whether it was basketball, cheerleading, or me trying my hand in soccer at one point in time. And fast forward to CrossFit when, you know, I'm, now WWE, where I'm a grown woman, it doesn't matter. Like I'm still their baby, and that's how they see it. And they've supported me just as much now as an adult as as it was when I was a kid. But I think that has a lot to do with my success now. You know, just having a parent that just pours so much love and support into their kid, and just let me know that like it was okay to go and and, and strive for your goals, and they were going to be there whether I succeeded or whether I failed. So I was never afraid to try. Like, I wasn't afraid to try, you know, thinking, like, what if I failed? It doesn't matter. My parents are going to be there supporting me, whether I get first place or last place. Like, I remember in college, um, I was running SECs at Indoor Nationals in Arkansas. And my parents drove 10 hours to Arkansas. And I fell over the first hurdle. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And 
I just remember thinking, wow, they drove 10 hours and I didn't even, I, I ran, what, one second? And they were okay. You know, I mean, of course they, they wanted me to do good, but they were okay. They didn't make me feel bad. So just having that support from them, it, it just boosts my confidence as a child and it's carried over now into WWE with me being the EST of WWE. Look, we, Black Jubilation is something else, right? How our parents support us, how our family support us. There's a yeah. lot of videos of you being emotional, your family being emotional. Mm-hmm. Kofi wins the title, Black people are emotional. WrestleMania 37, you win, before that match, you were overcome with emotion. Yeah. <laughs> was it, did, did you try to keep that emotion? Did you know that was going to happen or did that creep up on you? No, I, I didn't necessarily know that that was going to happen. Uh, what I what I will say is that when you have these big moments and you go to like WrestleMania, uh, a lot of the advice that you get from people that have been there before, they always tell you just slow down and soak it in because it goes by so fast. So I know that we wanted to take that moment in the beginning to just soak it in. You know, it, we were main eventing WrestleMania and we had just found out the day before uh, we had our fans back for the first time in what over a year because of the pandemic. And we were just making history. And so just we just wanted to just slow down and soak in that moment. And so I was planning on just soaking in that moment. But I never intended to be in tears in the ring. Like <laughs> when you think about being in, in the ring at WrestleMania for right. in main eventing and you're going after the title, you don't want to cry. You know, especially across from your opponent, you don't want to show weakness. But I just couldn't. Contain it. I was trying my hardest. It's a picture of me with like this, like ugly expression of like almost shoulder shaking, crying. But that was just true emotion coming out of just how much that moment meant to me and to the world. And uh, I just, I'm like my underarms are sweating now thinking about it. <laughs> I just get nervous every time I think about it. So I wasn't planning on that on, on crying, but it's just it, I was overwhelmed. What was it? Was it the? Uh... Because obviously it's your moment, but I think you also recognize it was everyone's moment. It was everyone's moment. Because I know, like, prior to that, I interviewed you and talked about the possibility of headlining WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And you were like, wow, that's just... And then it happens. And then I was sitting there. I know I'm, I'm watching it at home. And I was like, I was emotional. And I was <laughs> like, yo, this isn't supposed to be happening. Seeing you, it, I don't know if you were at first thought you would be embarrassed, but it was such an endearing human moment. We don't get a lot of those in pro wrestling because everybody's trying to keep the face. Yeah. But I think that was a moment that I think we've all embraced since. I don't. How was the response to that? Uh, the response. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't embarrassed. Like I'm someone who I feel like all your emotions, you're allowed to feel what you want to feel, and, and you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. But you know, because for me, especially, I wasn't embarrassed because that moment meant so so much to me. Like you said, and to everyone, and, and that's just what it is. Like I think everybody named Mama was crying in that moment, right. but. You know, the the reception after that was, I, you know, a lot of people were saying that they were in tears just watching. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to I want to go into the ring and I, I want to be remembered for my title reigns and for being champion and for being an amazing uh, WWE superstar. But more so, like, I want to make people feel something. I want them to feel a part of what I do. I don't want them to feel like they're just a spectator. I want like when you see me, you see you like even being the EST of WWE, if you're a fan of me. I just want you to know that means that you're a fan of yourself. I'm just the inspiration. Like, 
you know, I, I, I think, you know, I heard Kanye do an interview saying like the same thing. And I was like, that's, that, that's, that's what I feel like. I want people to feel like they're a, a part of this. And I think in that moment, everybody felt like they were a part of that. And they knew how big that moment was. And they just, they got the feelings. They got, they got the tears just like me. <laughs> so I know you're the track star, right? But your husband hit a 40-yard dash. Down this ramp, but you won. <laughs> it's the fastest I've seen a man run to the ring. Like he was there in a blink to celebrate and bask in your success. Yeah. How important is that? Like that, that, a- that love is love. Like <laughs> telling you, black emotion is different. No, it's that's different. Love. I, I'm not sure it took him more than three steps to get from the top of the ramp to the ring. He was flying. I mean, those arms were pumping. <laughs> if you look, and they were tight. They weren't like the. They were like. Arms were pumping, <laughs> tight pumping. But no, I was in the ring. I remember hearing the crowd like go even crazier. I'm like, oh, okay, they're really excited. And I turned around. All of a sudden, he's just sliding the ring. And uh, no, it was it was cool to be able to celebrate that moment with him, you know, especially because that WrestleMania, he didn't get to have a WrestleMania match. And I did. And what I loved about that was he was a husband before anything. And everyone wants to have a WrestleMania match. And you would have never known that he didn't get to have his WrestleMania moment because that's how much he was supporting me. So to be able to go out there and celebrate with him in the ring and then have my family there and just be able to have a husband that supports me and loves me. And especially like being a successful woman in the in, 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 in the business that she's in, I think that's very special and sometimes maybe hard to come across. But he loves me for who I am and everything I represent. And I just want to celebrate all of my Amazing moments with him. That's dude. That's incredible. So we fast forward to this WrestleMania, and you headline. You're basically in the main event again, <laughs> but the entrance, yes. HBCU band, yes, which is so black. Not look. We use we use upon unapologetically black a lot, and it gets worn out. But that was a moment that I was like, oh my god, that entrance is incredible. How long have you been thinking about that entrance? I have been thinking about that entrance ever since NXT. Really? Honestly. Um, and I've been trying to find the right moment for it. And it's different. It was other moments, other times where, you know, I was wanting it to happen. And it just I feel like it just happened at the perfect time uh, for, for this WrestleMania. And, and we were in Texas. And so it, it, everything just happened at the same time. But I've been wanting to do it for a while. And, you know, I, I, I wrote it all up and... I made, you know, these presentation of like HBCU, the significance of it and what it means and, you know, the drum majors and, and the vibe and the, the culture significance of it. And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm unapologetically me. And how can I show up on the biggest, the grandest stage of the Mount WrestleMania and just be unapologetically me? And that was bringing on the HBCU band. And, you know, in high school, my high school mimicked the style of an HBCU band. Mm. So that's like nostalgia for me. And it's a cultural significance for me. And especially, you know, just going out there. And I always, I always want to just make it more than just being about me. So bringing awareness to HBCUs and how, you know, keeping HBCUs alive and keeping the funding there and keeping the awareness there and having people go. I, I never got to experience going to HBCU, right. which I would have loved. But um, I just wanted to show up on the grand stage of them all, being my full self and presenting my full self and, and I was able to do that with the HBCU band and vibe out with them. And they showed up and showed out and made a statement. Let, let me follow up with that. Because your first WrestleMania, you never know when your next WrestleMania moment is going to yeah. be. Was there any thought of you doing that at 37? It was. It was. It, it just did. It wasn't able to happen at that WrestleMania. 
And so we made it happen at the next WrestleMania. But it was definitely a thought for 37. And Ooh. it would have been a huge significance there. But um, I think I like how, how, how it actually played out because 37, uh, the focus was already there with two black women main eventing and, and, the hit, and the significance was there. And that was unprecedented, never happened. And then fast forward to next year, I was able to still shine light on being unapologetically me and still bring something else to the table. So they each individually got their own shine, they I would, think. We would have over-blacked it at 37. <laughs> yeah. then, which is okay. I'm just saying, like... Would have been a helmet. <laughs> right. It would have been a different world up yep, there. It would. <laughs> um, all right. And again, I understand. If you've been working that long on these entrances, what's next? Listen, I always got to try to top it. <laughs> yes, I'm already thinking about it. So... Um, you know, we have to see what happens next year for WrestleMania. It's going to be in Hollywood. It's going to be big. And I'm already, I feel like I've already built this reputation now of maybe being Miss WrestleMania, winning back to back. And so it's not, it's like, well, okay, am I going to be in WrestleMania next year? I have to try to get there. I have to try to live up to that reputation first before anything. And to top that off, now I got to try to bring a, a better entrance. So <laughs> the I, I'm brainstorming. So I feel like I always try to come through. So I'm going to. We'll have to see if, if I come through with this one. <laughs> so you've had an interesting year. Like, everybody's talked about your run and how incredible it's been. But it, you've had this strange thing that has nothing to do with you. But it seems like every time you get in a few, somebody gets hurt. Yep. And I don't think people appreciate how much you've had to adjust on the fly. Yeah. I don't think there's been another champion that's had to deal with so many changes mm-hmm. at the last minute. Can you kind of talk? Because that's something that I don't think you get enough credit for. And you've had to deal with it. And how much have you paid attention on social media? Like, you're supposed to be working Rhea this week, yeah. weekend. And that's not happening. You, were, you and Bailey had this program. And then you there was, at SummerSlam, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. <laughs> it's like every, it always changes. And, yeah. and have you, I know you've been happy with every, everything I was turned out. But how difficult has it been to deal with those changes? No, it's, it's difficult. And it gets frustrating for me sometimes. I, you know, I felt like even with my SmackDown uh, title reign, I felt like, I didn't be able, I wasn't able to live up to the full potential of SmackDown Men's Champion uh, just with how short the reign was and also with my, my title, with my feuds, you know, with Bailey getting injured, which I can't wait for Bailey to come back, but with Bailey getting injured and having to step in and then have Carmella then having to step in at SummerSlam and, you know, just not, I feel like not being able to have these, these amazing, you know, matches that I could have had in my title reign and being able to go up against a really, really great other great competitors to, to prove that I'm a champion and then it getting cut short and fast forward. And now it's like deja vu. It's, it's happening all over again. You know, my competitors I'm supposed to have, I'm, I'm not having. Um, so it gets frustrating, but I, I think that I just try to look at it as it's, uh, I have to adapt and it's making me a better competitor. It's making me stay on my toes. Uh, and it shows that, you know, I want to show that I'm always going to be there and be dependable and be able to show up and show out and, and be the common denominator of whatever <laughs> big moments happen. Like, you know, no matter if somebody else can't show up, Bianca Belair is going to be there. Bianca Belair is going to be in the mix of the big moments and, and be talked about. And that's that's really my main goal is to be a part of big moments and always be available so that my name can always stay in the conversation. And anytime, you know, they want a, a big match or anytime uh, they want a big moment, Bianca Belair's name comes up in the conversation because they know that I'm going to come through and show up and show out. All big moments <laughs> aren't happy moments. They aren't. They aren't all great <laughs> moments. SummerSlam last year. I'm sitting next to this man. We're excited. Yeah. We're like, okay, it's Carmella. 
cool. The music hits. We're like, Bianca's about to go in there, show out. It's going to be quick work. And we're, you know, and then we're, we're going to be excited. Becky Music hits. The man is back. Huge pop. Crowd goes nuts. Cool. She had left as one of the biggest baby faces. Great stare down. All right. Carmella's out. Becky's in there. About 36 seconds later, the match is over. Mm-hmm. What was that like just emotionally, like that, that 24-hour period for you? And then how do you flip the switch again where you're like, well, I've got to climb from the bottom all the way back up and get back to the spot? Because the internet's a weird place. And they're just like, <laughs> she's buried. It's like, no, she just got to climb back up to the spot. And you have. And have another amazing title run. What was that like for you? It was hard. Um, very confusing time of just like, I really didn't have any idea what was happening or what was going on. And it everything just happened so quickly. Uh, even being out in the ring, it just happened so quickly. And of course, the first thing that I thought of was my parents were there. Oh. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder what they're thinking right now. And, um, but it was hard, you know, especially going into SummerSlam and I felt like, okay, I'm doing everything, I'm doing everything right. You know, I just, I just won this title from Made Even WrestleMania. We won an ESPY, an ESPY. We got recognized in the world of sports off of that match. And, and then I just lose the title in 26 seconds. So it's this thing of like, if you feel like you're doing everything right and then, then now this happens, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, so your perspective kind of gets messed up a little bit, but my husband and John Cena were the ones that really pulled me aside and really just gave me the gems of like fixing my perspective. And, um, you know, I just saw it as, you know, this is what it is, but I'm going to show everyone that the title doesn't make Bianca Belair. I make the title and I'm going to show everyone who I am without, without the title that I am the EST WWE. And yes, Becky Lynch came out, but it, it, but you're not going to forget about me. You know, it's not going to be this thing where Becky Lynch came out and everybody's just, woo, Becky Lynch, and let's push Bianca to the side. No, I'm I'm here. I made my statement and I'm not leaving. So it was really cool to go online and see all the support from everyone. And I wasn't sure afterwards what was going to happen. I didn't know people were going to just be so excited about Becky and forget about me. And But then when I went online and it was like, oh, did this this backfire? I don't know. Was this supposed to happen? Did, did, I don't know, but this is where it is now. So... Um, it was hard, but you know, looking back now, like I said, like you said, every big moment isn't a happy moment. And but the most talked about moment at SummerSlam had my name in it, and that moment could not have happened without my name. So that's how I see it. And you know, having to climb back to the top and be, you know, I had to beat every woman on the Raw Women's roster and win Elimination Chamber and fight my way back to WrestleMania and make it full circle and make it right. It was not easy. Um, and it were some people that weren't for it. But all I can say is once WrestleMania happened, everybody was for it. <laughs> Yo, was that climb more difficult the second time around? Um, yeah, definitely. It definitely was. Uh, you know, SummerSlam, from SummerSlam to WrestleMania, it felt so long, you know. And it felt like I didn't know what the end game was. And is this going to work out? Is this going to be all worth it? But... I just kept pushing forward. So it was really it was really hard because it was just this, this limbo of like, I don't know what's going on. Like, is are my fans going to continue to ride with me and have faith in me? And and they did. So 
it was hard, but I will say that um, everything happens for a reason. And I use SummerSlam as like, listen, you can do everything right that you think is right in life. Bad things are going to happen, but you don't just go and crawl into a corner and give up. You keep going and you push through and you got to make people, you know, make a statement and make people make it so that you cannot be ignored. And I feel like that's what I've done. Uh, Dude, I hate to keep talking about 37, but... Dave Meltzer. Are you familiar with Dave Meltzer and his star ratings? I am. I wrote this in the piece. Your match at WrestleMania 37 got four stars. Yeah. Which I thought was, you know, the joke is if it was in the Tokyo Dome, it got seven stars. (laughs) Seven stars. (laughs) But I know you don't look at, you know, this one man's opinion. These things don't validate you. But it seems like every time that there's something that might feel against you, SummerSlam, the star rating, everybody rallies behind you. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that even more empowering than just having people having your back just because of who you are? Now it's like when there's adversity, we're still there for you. Oh, yeah. That means more than anything. And I think that, you know, that's what's important to me. And I think that that's why, you know, I do have my title reigns. And when I'm when I am in the ring, uh, I feel like I'm not by myself. It is not just about me. It's about everybody else because everybody rides for me and I love it. You know, and I don't I feel like sometimes I don't even have to say anything. You know, my, my fans going to say it for me. And sometimes it's people that aren't even fans, but they're like, listen, like respect is respect. And that's just what it is. So, uh, it, no, it definitely is validation. I'd rather, you know, see my fans ride for me. Cause that, that means more to me what my fans think than anything else. So, yeah. You are huge amongst a very specific set of fans. And that is young women and young black women, especially like my daughter, like, Loves you forever. But, like, we were heavy into NXT. So, uh, (laughs) if you ever lose, my daughter's upset for, like, a week. Um, But, like, really, like, we see these Halloween costumes. And young girls go to the shows dressed like you. They have the glasses and and the lips all over. And, like, you're such a huge role model to them. What is that like for you? And is that something that you've kind of always strived for from the beginning? Or is that something you were kind of, like, shocked to see? Like, wow, my impact with... The younger generation. I wouldn't say it's necessarily something that I was striving for in the beginning. I was just more so focused on bringing my full self to the table and being unapologetically me and not hiding one part of myself to present the other part of myself. Like, this is me and this is who I am. Um, and just hoping that that would inspire other people to do the same thing. Uh, but, you know, seeing little girls dressed like me, you know, my brother actually called me, I think, right after Hell in a Cell. He was like, look, he was like, B, I just got a question for you. Like, what does it feel like when you see like little girls dressed like you? And I was just like, it's hard to describe. It's not something that I can put into words. It's just, it's, it's an amazing feeling, but it's not like a, a ego boost. It's, that's not what I get from it. It's more of, you know, I just know what my role models did for me and how much they meant to me and, and, how much they inspired me. So to know that I'm doing the same thing, uh, that just always is always in the back of my mind, actually in the front of my mind for my perspective when I'm out there, knowing that I'm inspiring little girls and not just little girls, but a, a lot of people. Like yeah. I, Grown I, women. Grown women. <laughs> and, and it's inside and outside of the ring. I think that that's what's most important to me. I have people come up to me saying like, I just enrolled back into school because you talk about being the absolute best version of yourself and, and just starting. That's the hardest part. Or people come up to me and say, I just started working out again because of you. 
So it's really cool to know that I'm inspiring people inside and outside the ring and that it transcends across like ages, genders, races. It doesn't matter, but it's, um, it's an amazing feeling. It's just hard to describe, you know? It's hard to put into right. words. I'm inspired by Montez's eight-pack every day. <laughs> Yo, back in the gym. speaking of that, first of all, you call your husband Kenneth at home. You don't call him Montez. I, I can't. I have to, it's either babe or Ken or Kenneth. I can't, I can't call, I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Your husband, <laughs> your husband's put on some muscle lately. He has. Now that's why. I, okay, because mm-hmm. you know we don't we don't see it on TV and, and you know at being at home we call it like that Vince McMahon championship muscle. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's that world championship muscle. What has your husband been doing? Because this dude is looking, man, just. Rocking Diesel. Hoochie Daddy shorts all day now. Oh, like, always those, got the Hoochie Daddy shorts thighs on. just popping out Listen, the Listen, his little legs used to be shaped like the number 11. Now they're getting, they getting chunky, you know? He, he was, he's always like, my legs are so skinny. I'm like, babe, I love your little skinny legs. But no, nah, they're getting a little thick. He's been putting on weight. He's, he's eating. He has an alarm, a, a alarm set on his phone for every two hours. So he eats every two hours. He's eating like two, three meals at a time. Drinking all this protein, and he's just like we we always go to the gym together, um, but we've been going to the gym like extra hard together, and I and like I've been trying to gain weight ever since I was in NXT. I've been trying to get back in the one sixties, and I finally am. I'm, I'm back in the one sixties, and it's because I'm eating with him and working out with him. But he's been super focused. Like even two weeks ago, we were at Raw, and after Raw, he's like, "You want to go to the gym?" I'm like, "Let's go." So like we're in the gym at like. One o'clock in the morning before we have to catch our flight. So he's been going hard. I'm just excited for him. Like I just see so much potential in him. And you know, even when The Rock came out and Crazy. made the post about him, and and I'm like over. I saw it before him, and I'm over there freaking out. And I'm like, see, I told you. Like I see it in you. The Rock seen it. Like you got to see it in you. And so you know, I know he sees it in himself. And I'm just so excited for the potential. Like for his future. Like he's gonna. He's gonna be. Man, I, I'm excited for the future in WWE for Montez Ford. He's going to be one of the top stars in the future. I'm putting it out there. Hundred mm. percent. I need a cup though. <laughs> I know, right? So here, here's one. Dance, so go. WrestleMania 37 going to two black women main event. Mm-hmm. A year later, you're facing Becky, but there's also a picture that you posted where there's three black women with world championships. In another, in the rival promotion that we won't necessarily say who they are, but you know what I'm talking about, they have a black women's champion. How, I'm not saying that you've been the, necessarily the catalyst for the game change, but so much has changed since the pandemic that mm-hmm. it's not just, it's just like, oh my God, we finally got a black champion. We expect this now. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel? Like when you see it again, the woman across the street, she's a champion. There was three champions in that picture. We couldn't see this 10 years ago. It never happened. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel like um, this is what it's supposed to be. You know, I love black excellence. And I feel like even in NXT, we, you know, I was always talking about black excellence. And then, you know, even with Kofi winning, it was always black excellence. And it was it was great. And we had to celebrate it because a lot of firsts were happening. But I'm so excited to where it's becoming the norm, where it's not a thing where when black people excel, it's like black excellence because it's doesn't happen very often. 
you know, when it happens, it's so special because it doesn't happen often. It's still special, but it's the norm now. Right. And so that's what I'm, I'm loving that it's the norm. And like you said, it's becoming expected. And it's something that, um, you know, I was talking with my husband and he was talking about the significance of, you know, WrestleMania with two black females main event in WrestleMania. And he was saying how he, he was 29 years, 30 years old at the time. He was like, that's my first time seen as, as, as a 30 year old man. But he said, but my daughter, I think she was seven at the time. She was seven years old and she saw that seven years old. So imagine how that's going to start impacting people where they're not they're not just seeing it for the first time at an older age. And they're not just seeing it one time, but they're seeing it over and over and over again. So, you know, the the dynamics changing and the environment's changing and um, it's just going to continue that direction. I have a question. Because along these same lines, Andreas has to remind me of this constantly on this show. Because so much discourse on Twitter and the internet is we don't have enough black champions. We don't have, uh, you know, it happens too few and far between. And he has to constantly remind me that it happens for women all the time. Like, it's the norm for black women to be champions. Multiple companies, multiple times, three times, four times, five times champions. Black women, black men, and so many people are focused on the black men who are champions. And they say, we don't have black champions. When, no, there's, there's a ton of black women who are champions. Why is there that, like, gap, you believe? Because I see this across all sports where uh, I cover boxing daily. And people are like, man, we need undisputed champions. Someone has all the belts. Like, Clarissa Shields has done it twice. Mm-hmm. Women have been doing this forever. Katie Taylor's under, like, they make all the fights, <laughs> the best fight, the best in women's boxing. But people are like, we don't have that. It's like, no, you don't have that men's boxing. Women do this. Mm-hmm. Why is there such a, a disconnect when people are, are championing for that, especially like black wrestlers and saying black wrestlers don't get to the top. I feel like black women are at the top and shaping the culture. And is there still kind of that, that piece where you guys don't get enough credit for what's going on? Um, I will, well, I will say Clarissa, I got to meet her and she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to meet her when uh, we, I got to stand uh, with Amanda Serrato yep. um, and I just love her vibe and I love how she's so confident and she's not afraid to say what she has to say. She knows she's good and she'll tell you she's good. She don't care <laughs> and she'll back it up. Yep. Uh, but no, you know, I, I really feel like women are at the forefront of everything right now. And um, we're just proving that we can sell tickets and people do want to see this. And this is becoming the norm now, you know, in WWE where, especially women, I think we, we main evented raw for maybe five weeks straight or a yeah. month straight. And it's, it's, it's really cool. Every single live event that I'm doing on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, for the most part, we're main eventing every single night. And so I, mean, I think we're just showing that the women aren't just the future. The women are the now. And like you said, we are shaping the culture um, of everything. And as far as uh, the men, you know, I, I don't know. You know, we, we had Kofi and we had Big E. And right. for me, I'm, I'm looking for it. I'll say it. Montez Ford. Uh, Speak it into existence. <laughs> Montez into Ford's existence. WWE champion. It's, it's, it's happening. And I feel like even with them, that they are inspiring other, you know, little boys, little black boys to get into wrestling and into WWE. And the more that we see that, we're going to start seeing more uh, black male champions in the future as well. Uh, I, I have to ask. You, you've been making cultural moments on social media, not just in wrestling. You got to meet Meg Stallion. You want to ESPY. 
What has, been your, what, what has been your favorite moment outside of wrestling thus far? Because I don't... First, first uh, this is two-faced. One, could you have ever expected all this outside of wrestling? Did you ever think, oh, I'm going to go meet Meg Thee Stallion? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I, you know, I never even imagined myself being a WWE superstar at one point. So everything that's coming with just being a WWE superstar inside the ring is amazing. And then everything on the outside is a plus. So every time I get these opportunities on the outside, I'm so excited and ecstatic to do all of these things. And, you know, for me, um, you know, getting to perform at Rolling Loud was one of like the dopest things I've ever done. Even before I found out that uh, my husband and I, before we found out that we were going to be able to perform there, we were looking for tickets because we were just trying to go. <laughs> and then we got, we got the phone calls like, hey, you guys want to go to Rolling Loud? I'm like, yeah, we were trying to go, but no, not, not to go to like actually have a match. I'm like, what What do you mean? Like have a match on the same stage as like our same, like our favorite artists? Yeah, let's do it. So to go out there, I felt like both of my worlds were colliding with my, with the culture and with wrestling. And I was able to just bring both of my worlds together and celebrate that. So rolling loud and then getting to meet Meg the Stallion. We were in the same city at the same time. And Did she teach you how to twerk? She... No, she. I, you listen. I'll take some twerk lessons from her. I got the knees for it, so I know I can get low with her. I can get I can get down low, but you know, she. I need to get a couple of tips from her. But uh, no, she was. It was really quick. Um, she's so cool, and like the few minutes that we got to meet, and she's like a real stallion in real life. Like she's so beautiful. Her body, her personality. Like she was just. It was amazing to meet her. I feel like that's a great tag team partner. Can we can we work something I, out for I'll, this? I'll like, take I'll take Meg in my corner. Any I'm about day. To say, I feel like we'll she could pull off team. some moves. She definitely could. We we know? Logan yeah. Paul just got signed. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> four weeks in the PC and she's doing a poison Rana. I promise you this. <laughs> like she's she's crazy athletic. Yeah. Uh, I, I so I'm gonna ask you and Jay Cargill when you look at someone like that who is doing it because it wouldn't be. I'm not going to say that you busted the door open for them all. But let's just be honest, right? Like, you have opened doors for a lot of these women to wrestle, to even have the opportunity to be thought about at the top. I don't want you to call yourself a pioneer for this because there's been other women like Jacqueline before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But do you accept this responsibility now that you're not only carrying Black women, Black culture, yourself— women in general to the main, is that now a responsibility that you have? I mean, yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, I I accept that responsibility. Um, You know, like you said, it's been women that have come before me and paved the way before me. And and I made sure to to always talk about that, even when, you know, being the first black woman to main event WrestleMania, that that could have been anyone before me, but it was me. And I was able to do that because of what they did before me and, and open those doors for me. So, I mean, I definitely accept that responsibility. You know, I think that representation is so important. I always say that representation is not a request. It's a requirement. It's a quote that I that I always repeat. And I really believe in because representation just really shows you, like, what your place is kind of in this world and, and how big and far you could dream. And I always say, you know, when you see someone doing something that you want to do, it lets you know that you can do that. But if there's, if there's something that you want to do and you don't see someone doing it, then you become that person and you open those doors for everyone else to come through. And, you know, the more representation that we can have, the, the better. Because, um, like, at the same time, I am a black woman. But, you know, black people, we're not a monolith. We all 
are black in our own way and, and we all present something different. So there might be something that another black female wrestler brings to the table that I don't bring to the table where an, uh, another black person can turn on the TV screen and relate to them in a different way than they can relate to me. So um, it's the more representation that we can have, the better if um, I can be someone that can inspire other people to, to join and see that this is a possibility. Um, and maybe this is, you know, being a WWE superstar was never on their radar. And now it is great. You know, even being a college athlete in track and field and now coming into WWE and not having any wrestling experience, you know, with our new NIL program, I'm all for that because, you know, I'm I'm an, an a collegiate athlete, a former collegiate athlete that didn't have any experience, and I've had so much success. So I think now there's a lot of lot more collegiate athletes that that now look and say, "Oh, I never thought about this. Maybe I can do this too." So I'm all for it. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, at the level you are, and being champion, you look around. Becky Lynch, independent wrestler, mm-hmm. all over the world. Bailey, independent wrestling background. You came just into the PC. Just like, <laughs> like uh, you know, didn't go to any indies, didn't travel the circuits or anything. Mm-hmm. You came from a different sport into professional wrestling, had to learn everything blank slate. Yeah. How hard was that for you? And I think a lot of people kind of lose track of kind of even what NXT currently is mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of independent wrestlers down there. But... I try to mention this all the time. You look at the top of the card. Some of our favorite wrestlers weren't independent people. Mm-hmm. Shout out to E. Vicky's uh, my dude. Like college linemen yeah. came in. And today's one of the best workers in the world. Yeah. So how hard was it for you to kind of acclimate? And then wh- who helped you when you came in? Who were people that you looked up to? Yeah, it was... It was um Difficult and overwhelming sometimes, you know, coming in and not having any wrestling experience. And, you know, I remember after my second tryout, I got pulled aside and they told me it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we bring you in. So I kind of knew, I already knew that I was going to get hired. I just had to wait for the phone call. And I was at the airport and I was sitting across from uh, this, this, a, a girl and a guy that had just came from the tryout. And she turned her phone over and it was all stickers of, WWE superstars and she was talking about how she dreamed of being a wrestler her whole life and meanwhile I'm the person that they told they were going to hire and so I'm like wow am I still in this person's dream and so I knew how big this opportunity was when I came into WWE and so I threw myself fully into I knew like there's so many people that want to be in this position that I'm in and I never even dreamed of being a WWE superstar but now that I am this is all I want to be and so for so long at NXT, I was constantly trying to prove myself and prove that I belong there. And I was just honest. Like, I didn't want to get embarrassed with trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing or I knew the history of the business and then people, you know, getting exposed. So I walked in like, listen, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here to learn and like teach me and I'm here to learn. And so I threw myself fully into it. I quit doing CrossFit. I was like, if I want to be good at WWE and perfect my craft, I have to only do this. And so I was constantly trying to prove myself. And I feel like that's where like, I'm an, I'm an overachiever even to this day and dealing with imposter syndrome. And, but my husband like helped me so much because coming in, it's like, how do I learn the history of the business? And they're like, well, watch all the WrestleManias. And I would watch them, but then I'm like, but I'm just watching the match. I don't know the backstory. I don't know the feud. And a lot of times that that's what makes right. The match. So 
My husband was the one that would sit down and be like, this is who this person is. This is what happened. Because he's, he's watched since he was a kid. I mean, he's another person that didn't have any wrestling experience either. Right. But he's watched since he was a kid. So he helped me. My coach, uh, Sarah Motto, she helped me so much with, like, teaching me. She taught, taught me my first headlock and wrist lock. Um, so it, it was difficult. But, you know, just I was constantly trying to prove that I wanted this and that I wanted to be here and that I might not be from the Indies and you might've grinded on the Indies for all these years, but I was grinding too, just in an, in another, in another way. Like when I look back on my life, everything that I did in my athletic career led me into WWE. So it was just a grind in a different way. And so now I'm here and I'm still constantly trying to prove that I belong here. I think you've proven that you belong. <laughs> I, think, I think we're past that now. Um, the championship was like validation mm-hmm. the first time you won it. But you mentioned this earlier. You you don't really need it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have, and we love that you have it. But I think at you know when when we watched you walk out of that WrestleMania, the 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 level of confidence was different mm-hmm. because did you feel like you said mentioned imposter syndrome? Mm-hmm. Was it after the, the WrestleMania thirty seven that you got past that, or when did that end for you? I still deal with it now. Really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you have imposter syndrome, like no matter how elite you are, like when I remember having all these feelings, I didn't understand. I thought I was just having problems with my self-esteem and self-confidence. And then I started reading up on it and the word imposter syndrome came up. And then I started reading how a lot of like elite athletes and actors, like actors that have won Oscars, like they have imposter syndrome, but it comes from this, this space of feeling um, like you, you're, you're like a perfectionist and an overachiever. And you always want to perfect something before you move forward. And you always are scared, like, am, am, am I good enough? And so I think that comes from not being from the, the wrestling background and just wanting to be a perfectionist and always wanting to come through and show up and show out. But for me, WrestleMania 37, I feel like I was walking in as a rookie. So I didn't really so much have imposter syndrome with WrestleMania 37 because I was just trying to to prove that, yeah, I'm a rookie, but I'm good, you know? And But WrestleMania 38, uh, walking in with Becky Lynch, I feel like SummerSlam did mess me up a little bit mentally of, okay, I thought I was doing this right, but now I lost it. Am I not good enough? Do they not have faith in me? Am, am, am I not a good champion? And so I was constantly dealing with that. So walking into WrestleMania 38, I was very nervous. I thought I wouldn't be because I already main evented. Right. But I was very nervous. And then going up against Becky Lynch and then becoming champion after Becky Lynch and having to, you know, follow, uh, fill those shoes as, as she was his champion. Um, so I feel like I still deal with it. And, but I have to continue to give myself affirmations. And I'm, even, I'm either moving forward or I'm not. So I'm just going to continue to move forward. <laughs> Before we get you out here, we usually give talent flowers on this show. And I've been meaning to do this for a while because I, I, I've messaged you this, that you mean a lot to this culture and the people. And it's like, I got a niece who adores you. And when you won the championship, I could see you're getting ready to cry. Because it wasn't just that you were a black woman, but you were a darker skinned woman as well. And to see the confidence and she, she wants to talk like you, she wants to be like you. But... For me, as a man who's watched wrestling his entire life, everything that you've done, you've done it right. And it's one thing that I appreciate more than anything else. I think the people who listen to this podcast, the people that watch you with Money in the Bank, it never felt like you were trying to be something that you weren't. 
And to be authentically black and unapologetically black, we're beyond that. I think what you've represented is, is something that we're all proud of. And I go back to that emotion at 37, and I felt it too. And having you on this podcast means the world to me. But watching you shine is where we have to give you your flowers because we know the, the journey's not done yet. Yeah. We know you still got more work to do. So we just want to say how much we appreciate you and what you mean, not to just black culture, not just just black women, but to everybody. You have done yeah. it all the right way. Thank you so much. That means so much. Uh, it's, it's great. Great to talk to you. And you're just so open and so honest. And to just speak to you in the midst of it. A lot of people, you know, speak to people at the end. Books are written. Documentaries are made. WWE, we all see like these docs, right? But like to speak to someone in the midst of it is special. And it's different. Because this is just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you, you know. And then you like 15-time world champion, Bianca, but like, then it's just like, oh, cool. We talked to her like second time. Right. Um, so, no, it's, it's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like we get out of here on like a pretty cool note. I just want to ask like random stuff real quick. Yeah, let's do it. One dream opponent. You haven't wrestled yet. Who do you want to wrestle? Oh, I'm so indecisive. Um, my dream match is, you mean like legend or just anyone? Anyone. My dream match is Beth Phoenix. Because she's one of the first people that I started watching that I related to uh, as far as, like, presenting herself, like, as, as a glamazon. She embraced her her beauty, but also her strength and her muscles. And she was picking up two women at one time. And so, uh, Beth Phoenix. You've done that. I was about to say, can you do three? I, I'm going to now do three. I need a fatal four-way so I can pick up three women. Maybe pin all three of them at the same time. Who knows? Damn. If Take you- KOD three women. Oh, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, all right. All right we'll do that. <laughs> if you and your husband had to tag, what would be your finisher? We would, let's see, how can we make this work? We would do a, I don't know. You're going to try to com- can, can like, I do, can I do the combine K- the KOD, into, KOD a into a frog splash? I mean, that's the only way, that's the only right way to do it, right? Oh my God. <laughs> Vicious. I'm interested. <laughs> that's something I want to see. Um, in... Five years, not in the ring, ring excluded, not WWE related. Yeah. What's something you want to do? Something. One goal outside of the ring. What's one thing you want to achieve in the you next You can't month? have me pick one thing because, you know, I'm someone who's all over the place. I want to do it all. Let's see. I want to write a children's book. I want to eventually write a book about my life. I don't know if the time will be in five years. Um, small things. I want to go to the BET Awards. Uh, oh, we can make that happen. <laughs> I used to work for me I was trying to go this year, but we had a live event. With, so, with um, and you know, I want to outside of wrestling. I want to get into movies. I want to maybe one day. I always say like a dream come true would be to be in a movie with The Rock or John Cena. You know, they were the they're the ones that are really paving the way outside in Hollywood, and everybody's like, you know, they set that blueprint. Everybody's trying to follow what they're doing. So that would be really cool. I mean, can you, you know, be float, Joe? No, I, like, I, I was about to say. I'm like, I feel like you can have I that pick with like Gail Devers. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, Listen, in high school, when I, I, I when I, I was when I was the hurdler, I had the long nails. I mean, I had the like, you know, when you go get your nails done. I don't know if you y'all know. I, yeah, but when yeah. you go get your nails done, they, <laughs> they they put the the tip on. Yeah. I wouldn't let them cut them. And then I had one nail that was always like a money nail. I had another nail that was blinged out. Remind you, this was like in 2004 and five and six. I feel like, like that's fitting now, for the time. Now that it's coming back. But back then they weren't doing that um, after like 
Gail Devers and and I had a nail that would swirl and I had a nail that was like a, a lightning bolt. So you oh, know. So you need to be in a remake of Baps. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite movie. That is my favorite. Baps. My favorite movies are Baps all and all about the Benjamins in another movie called Beyond the Lights. But Baps is my favorite movie. I love Baps. Yeah. I learn something new every day. We I love Baps. We need to do a remake of Baps with Bianca. I don't know who would be your co-star in a remake of Baps. Man. Oh man. Somebody. Uh, which car- which character would down. I play though? You'd be Hallie. Oh, yeah, would I be Halle Berry? Yeah. Well, we can't. Well, we can't replace because you know she passed away. We can't replace. Oh, so yeah. we really can't. We can't replace her. There's no replacing her. No, so. y'all. They do. Re- they, like, they do y'all, y'all are the children. Kids. Yeah, 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 yeah you be the children. The okay, we can be the kids. But right, there, there's no. Is she around? I'm not always into like the remakes of the classics. I'd be like, let's just leave the classics alone. But sometimes, sometimes. Look, you're not going to turn down the Babs remake. I mean, definitely not. All right, you know. then. <laughs> Wait, but speaking of movies, uh, if Disney said, hey, man, we need Storm. Mm. Let's do it. All right. Let's make it happen. Let's make sure. Storm. I mean, you know, they sign my checks. We so. do like, Storm. Or right, we do like a, they do like a real life Rapunzel, you know? What about that? I like it. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. I might not be able to sing. I mean, I can if they want me to. I can't promise it'll sound good, but you know. <laughs> That's what the studio's for. There's <laughs> enough auto-tune in this world to do anything. We just seen J-Lo. Yeah. Isn't like the oh, Chloe and Haley I'm chick? sorry. <laughs> the Chloe and Haley J-Lo. chick is like a Little Mermaid now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. you're right in there. Yes. Did you see her, uh, did you see um, Chloe's performance at the BT Awards? I did. Listen. In her dress, she was, she looked amazing. I, I'll go on record. I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan, right? Uh, and to me, uh, like, Chloe's uh, doing, like, the Beyonce uh, blueprint where she's just following the exact same thing. And I'm just like, yeah, I've seen it before. But um, She's inspired. She, she she's definitely gonna, she's, she's, is. She's, she's going to make it her own. You know? I mean, somewhat. She's kind of like a Beyonce, like, Megan Thee Stallion mashup right now. I don't know where she fits into it. But, yeah, I'm not, like, the biggest Beyonce fan. Are you hyped for the new album? Yes. I love Beyonce. Like she's just riding a horse for wait, wait. no reason on the cover? Yeah, and I'm buying the whole merch pack. And I don't even know what's in it. And I don't care. Yo, that's what ha- that, that merch is like released. And people, I was like, it could be empty. And it's it doesn't sell matter. Exactly. It could be air. I mean, it got, yeah, it's a box that has her name on it. I'm going to buy it. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. For you, I'll speak this into existence. Maybe not this year, but I promise you, Beyonce will walk you out at WrestleMania. And you will have one of the greatest WrestleMania entrances ever. I don't know if I would make it to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> it would break her soul before she even made it to the ring. I don't know if I would make it to the ring. But, I mean, let's make it happen. Yeah. If we can make it happen, I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing. They got I mean, that would definitely, you know, might, might, might. It's hard to little... top that. You got to retire after yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> you that might have night. to be like my last go around, my last year. Because I wouldn't be able to top that. Mm-hmm. That's Mm-mm. a wrap. No. Not unless you're going to bring Prince back from life. You know, have Prince bring me out. I don't know. got a hologram. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bianca, it's it's been been great. We we appreciate that. Because, yeah, we'll be here all day talking about Babs remakes. That is now the highlight of this podcast. Because it was nothing I would have ever expected. But we're here now. We're here now. Bianca, thank you so much for being here. I've been waiting a long time to have this conversation. Appreciate everything that you've done. Um, by the time people listen to this Money of the Bank It happened We are assuming That you will still be champion Because that's what we do here Because yes. people that show up On the show oh, she Win will. Yeah. We put it out there And you tell oh. people at WWE I got my eye on them For SummerSlam Not two years in a row 
This ain't happening. No. We getting through SummerSlam. We year. in Vegas again. I'm have I have a little PTSD <laughs> being in Vegas. I'm like, listen, I'm not about to. We watch your I am back. not about about to underestimate Carmella because I'm not getting caught slipping in <laughs> Vegas again. <laughs> not again. And Carmella again. Like, what is this? Exactly. So Becky better stay in that in that ladder match. Uh. And oh, if it, I don't know if if the, if the ladder match is going to be before my match, and if. Oh, she if win. she wins that ladder match is before my match, I'm gonna pin Carmella one, two, three, grab my title, and I'm running. I am getting out of there. I'm I'm not even I'm going back. I'm getting on the plane. I'm going back home. I'm not even going to Raw. No, it's amazing. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, thank you for watching. This has been amazing. Bianca Belair is like the best, right? So uh make this quick. Thank you to Blue Wire Studios, everyone here at the Wynn Resort in Vegas, everyone in the booth. Producer Cole, baby, Antoine, ones and twos, Brian, making us look pretty as always in the booth. You can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube where you can see this entire show. You can see Bianca, the fit, the hair. Always fresh. You can't see the kicks. The kicks are are dope as well. Put it on the table. Look at that. That's the bottom. Wait, how? Cole, Cole, there we go. The there, there we go. go. Look how just fly with the fit. We appreciate Always. you all. Until next time, <laughs> we're out. Peace. <laughs>